Father God, I thank you that you are the waymaker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. That's who you are, Lord, and we praise you for that and thank you for that. And, and we ask now, Father, as we open your word, make a way for us. Show us your promise and, and shed light upon the darkness around us, we pray. Because that is who you are. Amen. Great. We're going to open God's word together now and we're going to be looking at the book of Judges uh, this week. And I'm particularly going to read from uh, the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6. So if you've got your Bible, uh, open that up to Judges chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 to 24 together to begin. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land and ravaged it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I bought you up out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah, that belongs to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turns to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, If now I have found favour in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast. 
putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meats and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. The angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realised that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. Where are you looking for your peace? So often when God or the angel of the Lord shows up in the scriptures, they start by saying, peace, peace be with you. And and this happens here in this story. And the, the word peace that is used in the Hebrew, you'll find it if you do a quick Google search for an interlinary Bible, you can look it up yourself. The original Hebrew word there is the word shalom. And it, and it means more than just peace, like we think of peace. It means wellness and rest, fulfillment and at oneness, a state of safety and security, a complete peace, not just an absence of war. The Israelites have been looking for peace everywhere and anywhere but with their gods. That's what verse one means when it says uh, that they did evil in the eyes of the Lord because they were chasing after other gods. These other gods who offered them things that looked appealing, they were attractive, they kind of looked solid, kind of that's a good way to live. Other people are living that way. It, It looked good to them. But these other gods led them to destruction and oppression because they led them away from Yahweh, from the Lord, their God. Time and time and time again throughout the book of Judges, we read the line, uh, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and they forgot the Lord, their God. How often do we forget our gods when we're looking for peace, when something isn't right within us and and we just think to ourselves, well, if I could just fix this, that becomes my focus. If I can fix that, then I'll know his peace. I wonder if you've done something like this before. Uh, I once had an email account and I'd used it for everything and then suddenly just got loads of junk mail coming through. Uh, and so I thought, right, I'm going to set up a new account, a new email account, and then it will be OK. And so I set up a new email account. I stopped using the old one. And sure enough, not long later, that one starts to get junk mail coming in and all that kind of thing. And, and we keep looking to the next thing. But eventually that thing becomes the thing that was there before. Maybe you do it. You get a, a new phone. I'll get a new phone and, and I'll be kind of more um, controlled with this one I'm not going to fill it with loads of apps and stuff but sure enough not long later it ends up looking just the same as the phone that you had before full of apps overflowing with messages the pictures are taking up all the memory you know maybe you do it with uh, you get new shoes or there's a new fad or a new phase uh, a new job a new routine maybe even a new relationship maybe looking forward to the lifting of lockdown a new season and, and, you know, none of these things are bad when we recognise them for what they are. But when we make them our source of peace, 
They become our gods and we become enslaved to them and oppressed by them. And that's what had happened here. The Israelites had turned to the other gods, the gods of those of the land that they had moved into. And sure enough, those gods fought back against them. And the people of those gods raised up and conquered these people. They, they went in and they abused them and they destroyed their crops and they forced them out into the caves and the hillsides. So the question is then, where and how do we find peace? Shalom. The angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon and he says to him, the Lord is with you. And Gideon replies, but how? Like, how? How is God? Take a look around. How is God with us? Because from Gideon's view, there's no shalom. There's no shalom in the land. There's no peace. There's no sign of the presence of God with them. And that's because he's looking for shalom in all the wrong places. Such a relevant question for today, isn't it? Uh, Gideon says it like this. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? If God is with us, why? Why? How? Like we hear that question over and over. And maybe you have even been asking that question. Gideon is still believing that Israel's shalom is going to come through their circumstances as many of us do today. If we could just get over this, into this next season, fix that thing, do away with that thing, then I will be at peace. But if you flick back with me in your Bible to Judges chapter 2, and we read Judges chapter 2 verses 20 to 23, we discover something about what is really going on with these circumstances. It says this, Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and said, because this nation has violated the covenant I ordained for their ancestors and has not listened to me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I will use them to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their ancestors did. The Lord had allowed these nations to remain. He did not drive them out at once by giving them into the hands of Joshua. God was using these circumstances. He was using these people to achieve something in the lives of his people. He was using these circumstances to see if they would, even in times of trouble and trial, choose him, trust him and choose his way. We so often want to change the circumstances that God is actually using to change us and lead us into shalom. Let me say that again. We so often want to change the circumstances that God is actually using to change us and lead us into his shalom. Watch what happens next, because this really excites me. It, it, it resembles a, another story from the Bible. Maybe you recognise this story as we start to go through it. Um, but, but here, uh, the angel of the Lord shows up um, and, and says, I'm sending you. In fact, it actually says in verse 14, the Lord, Yahweh himself, which showed up, it was present there and said, go in strength. Am I not sending you? 
And then Gideon turns around and he says, um, pardon me, pardon me, my Lord, uh, but um, I don't think I'm suited for this. I'm the least in all of my family. And then God says to him this, I will be with you, Gideon. I will be with you. And if you track down to, to verse 21, you'll see that there's even fire there in this story as well that God brings about. If you haven't clicked, this reminds me and hopefully many of you of the story of Moses and the burning bush when God calls Moses to send him. And the author um, of, of Judges here deliberately wants us to think about that. He's blatantly presenting the God who sets people free and redeems people and leads them into a place of peace. And he's saying, hey, that God that did it with Moses he is at work now in the midst of all of this trouble. I wonder, is that God at work in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of your trial? A little side note for you here, just a little bit off track, but I love this. You notice that God says to Gideon, uh, go in the strength that you have. Go in the strength that you have. You don't need any more than what you already have. You don't need to be more. You don't need to gain more. You don't need more. Part of the reason that they were already in this mess in the first place is that they believed they needed more. They needed to be like the people around them, to have more gods, more rituals, more faith, more wealth, more crops, more land. That's why they turned to those gods in the first place, to gain the land that these gods had been gods over before they moved into it. They turned to those gods. But you don't need more. You just need him. Go in the strength you have. You don't need more. You don't. Who you are is enough because he is enough if you trust in him. Do not buy the lie, church, that you need more. We're so easily led into that lie in our modern world. You don't need more. So uh, I love what happens next then. Gideon, he suddenly realises that he's been talking with God. If you, if you look down here, kind of verses 22, 23, um, and he's like, oh, I have been talking face to face with Yahweh. And he thinks to himself, surely I'm, I'm a dead man. I'm a dead man. But then in, in verses 22 and 23, we discover that God says to him, no, Gideon, peace. You, you're not going to die peace. What we learn here is that it is in the presence of the Lord that we discover peace. We often think that peace is something that we experience when life is sorted out and everything is okay. But true peace, it comes from the presence of the Lord, by dwelling in his presence. Maybe you remember Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. But if you jump through forwards in that Psalm to verses five and six, there you'll read that it tells us that God lays up a table for us, a feast for us in the presence of our enemies, in the midst of our trial and our suffering, our persecution and all the things that are going wrong, God lays up a table for us, a feast. What do you do at a table, at a feast? You sit down in the company of others and you talk and you have fellowship and you eat together and you are fed. 
You see, you don't need to get out of the situation to discover peace. He brings peace to us. We just need to sit with him at his table and feast upon what he gives us and allow that to nourish us and feed us and help us grow and make us strong. Peace comes from his presence. The Christian life is not about just having a nice life and then going to heaven. It's not about that. It's about the fullest life in the here and now as well. It's about life with him, near him, in him, through him and for him. That may not change the circumstances around you, but it will change you and then your impact on the circumstances around you. See what happens uh, in the rest of chapter six and then on to chapter seven with Gideon. Uh, the, the ending of chapter six, we get this story about Gideon laying out this fleece and he puts it down and he's like, OK, if God, if you're really with me, then when I wake up in the morning, this fleece should be wet and the ground dry. And he wakes up and he checks it. And sure enough, it is. And so then the next day he's like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this again. Put the fleece out there. Lord, if you're really sending me to do this and you're with me, like you say, you will be. Then when I wake up in the next morning, let the ground be wet and the fleece be dry the other way around. And he wakes up and surely, uh, sure enough, it is. You see, he has this back and forwards conversation with God. He's discovering what God is like. Does God have limits? How faithful will he be to me? If I call upon him, will he answer me? And then it moves into chapter seven. And, and having found this peace in God's presence and then started to grow in relationship with him, uh, um, he then now knows that he's ready to allow that peace to shape him so that it then shapes the world through him. And so he rallies these men together. This guy who's the least of his family becomes the mightiest of men. What God spoke over him when the angel of the Lord appeared to him becomes true because the Lord said it and he trusted in the Lord. But he gets his army together and then God says to him, hey, hey Gideon, you have got two many men here there's too many of them and so he goes through this process of whittling them down and uh he goes from thirty-two thousand men down to 300 men and then gideon goes on to defeat this huge enemy with just 300 men true discipleship being a follower of jesus being someone that walks uh with god a christian as we call it in our modern world but a true disciple it starts by being with him. That's where we discover our peace, our shalom, our true identity, the fullness of who we are. We discover it in his presence. Then we go on to learn from him and learn about him, how he works and what he's like. And, and we learn that stuff as we walk with him in relationship with him, praying and reading the Bible, engaging with him, talking with one another and sharing our stories and testimonies. We learn from Jesus. And then we become like him, not doing things our own way anymore, but his way. Can you see the journey that Gideon went on? Everything was falling apart and it was all terrible when Israel was under attack and they were fleeing from their enemies. There was no shalom in Israel. But then the Lord showed up and Gideon dwelt with him. He prepared a meal for him. He sat with him. He discovered peace in the presence of God. And then he started to learn from him 
okay, God, you're calling me to this. Let's, let's see how this works. I'm going to lay this out. And they go on this journey backwards and forwards conversation where he starts to learn just who this God is and how faithful he is. And then he becomes like him. Starts off with this big army, but then he discovers I don't need to do things my way. I do them his way because his way is good and I can trust in it. It's not the way the world would do it. It's not the way that I think I should do it when I start out, but his way is good. So the question that I want to ask you is this. Will you be shaped by the circumstances around you or will you be shaped by God and become a shaper of those circumstances? Will you be like Gideon and draw near to God, be shaped by him and then become a shaper of those circumstances? Where does peace come from? Not from the world, not from anything uh, needing to be under our control, not from everything around us making sense, but from God and God alone. To end, let me just read uh, to you from from the Psalms. Uh, Psalm 21 verse 7, it says this. For the king trusts in the Lord through the unfading love of the most high. He will not be shaken. That's David speaking. It's a psalm of David. And David was a king who constantly faced threats um, from the people around him and uh, attacks on his kingdom and threats against him. And um, and he was able to say that when I trust in Yahweh, the Lord, and I trust in God, he would not be shaken. In Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14, it says this. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Wait for him. Draw near to him. Sit and be in his presence. Turn back to the Lord and discover his peace, even in these times, even when the whole world feels like it's falling apart and we don't know what's coming. We can know peace. This week, someone texted me a couple of lines from an old hymn that says this peace, perfect peace in this dark world of sin. The blood of Jesus whispers peace within. In John 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus doesn't give us peace like the rest of the world offers us peace. His peace is so much greater, so much deeper, so much stronger, more faithful and secure. His peace is a deep shalom and he doesn't give it the way the world does. He gives it by laying down his life for us. He gives it by shedding his blood for us. What a God he is. He died in our place that we could know not even death can hold us. We can have peace when death faces us because the blood of Jesus has been shed for us in our place and he has overcome death. Ken and Claire are going to lead us in communion, which takes us back to the cross, all that Jesus did for us. And I pray that as we share in this meal together, as we sit around this table together, as this feast is laid on for us together, that you will know his peace, even in the midst of your enemies, of your trials, of your troubles. God's peace be upon you.